This is episode number 111 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have the CEO and founder of Armo Milk, Linda Monique. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Hello, ladies. I just celebrated my 46th birthday. I cannot believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I still feel like I'm in my 30s. (laughs) But this time I celebrated in style because I tell you what, the last two years since we've moved to Perth, they've been more on the quieter side, hadn't had a group of friends really that I wanted to celebrate with. So this time I milked it for five days. We had party at our house. So we have new house, new friends, party at my house then, had family over for another party. And then Pete and I went away for a really short trip. It was two nights, three days. And I tell you what, it actually felt like a week. I fell into relaxation mode instantly. And I don't know about you, but normally with most women in business is when you have the space around you is when those ideas flow. For me, that happens when I'm exercising or if I'm lying by the pool or by the beach and I can get a a notebook out and I'm writing ideas down. And that's exactly what we did. We had notebooks there. We had our iPads and we were just exploding with ideas. It was just so, so good just to chill out and get away. And even though when you do do that little bit of work, it fills you up with so much joy because it doesn't feel like work. You've got your cocktail in your hand and... (laughs) Yeah, you're on a high. You're on an absolute high. Now, before we go into today's interview, I do want to do a shout out because we have another podcast review and I want to say a big thank you to Melly Russ, one, two, three. She wrote, wow, five stars. So many great tips to take forward. A good 80% of my business is done through Messenger. Just loved it. Thanks. So this was obviously for the sell by messenger episode. So if you need to get a lot of your leads offline onto a phone call or off social, then that is definitely one for you to listen to. I think I know exactly who Melly Russ is. I think it's Melissa Russell. If it's you, I'm hunting you down because I want to say a big thank you and send you a Herpreneur Shirovsky crystal pen to say a big thank you for supporting the show. Today's show is brought to you by Convert Club. This is where we help our beautiful clients make money doing what they love, helping them find their words. They can get the sale across the line without that ickiness. If you feel like you need help crafting your words, helping you get sales across the line, helping you get deals, helping you with negotiation without the hard push and helping you stay feeling like, you know, it's really you actually doing it. It doesn't feel like it's an icky script. Then reach out to me because I'll definitely tell you more about how we can help you with Convert Club and boost your sales. Now, on to the lady of the hour, Linda Monique. I tell you what, today's story is about a values based business, a business that was driven from purpose, a business that was created out of a problem that 
Linda actually had herself an autoimmune disease and really found there was a massive gap in the marketplace, a gap in the marketplace for a premium almond milk, one that was full of quality ingredients, not full of crap and fillers. And she's cornered that marketplace. Almond milk is now in supermarkets all across Australia. It's only there because of the biggest challenge. So throughout the interview, I say to her, what was one thing that has happened in your business that you would never want to happen again, but you're so glad you it did. And that was actually the pivotal point that changed the direction of the business. It took three years to get them back on track from this challenge. But I tell you what, now she is carving the way with this beautiful premium almond milk. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Linda Monique the CEO and founder of Almo Milk. I'd like to start the show with finding out where in this beautiful planet are you right now? I am actually based in our co-working space in this beautiful phone booth in Melbourne uh, at a place called Central House. So it's a stunning co-working space in Melbourne. And it's so good in those co-working spaces, isn't it? You get to meet people and it's got a vibe when you walk in and I feel like everything's vibing. You've got all the business people there and they're like ready to kick goals. <laughs> it's, it's sort of my happy place and um, I believe environment makes such a big difference to how we work and operate. So really love the energy of small businesses and collaborating and connecting. Before you went into Almo Milk or when it launched, were you actually doing it from home or were you in the workspace environment? What was the bit of a journey to get yourself to where you are now with office space? Well, that's a really interesting question. When I originally came up with the idea, I was actually unemployed, uh, really sick and stuck in bed. So Almo was born out of I'd say necessity instead of my um, health condition and needing to figure out a way of actually working, but without sort of impacting my health too much. So I spent a good 12 months in and out of bed um, and really in my pajamas and laptop sort of started crafting a little business plan, seeing that there was opportunity in the market, but originally thought, actually, should I just consult for Australian almond growers? Should they be doing this themselves? So the idea was to actually... Um, originally consult. But when I realized there was such a big opportunity and the Australian almond growers just wanted to continue growing almonds, I thought, well, someone's going to make this almond milk. Um, Actually, when I ended up getting a contract role at a company, so I was working then a full-time contract job for nine months when I began Elmo. Um, and that was an interesting journey because I needed to fund it somehow, didn't raise investment. So I was working this full-time job, managing calls after hours and um, hustling on weekends. Wow. So what happened then for you to create Elmo Milk? And what was going on? You were sick in bed. Was this to do with a food sensitivity or take us back on that whole journey on how it evolved? Yeah, it's a great question. And that sort of dives into a deeper situation where I have an autoimmune disease. So um, colitis, Crohn's disease, not fun, blood, guts and gore. But um, it really meant that I was limited with what I could do. And at the time, uh, certain medications weren't available Um and it really impacted my career up until um, I was 28 years old. So I was stopping and starting work. I was living a really interesting life in London. And then I had to cut all of that short. Um, and so being really bedridden, I had to just come up with 
with something to do. And it was actually out of that necessity. Um, but autoimmune disease, not fun. There's a whole class and range of autoimmune diseases that can be really impactful, sometimes invisible. So people go, you look fabulous, um, but they don't see your guts bleeding inside out, which is um, not fun. Um, and so that being quite debilitating, I needed to figure out, well, A, can I run my own business? B, how do I make it sustainable? And C, how do I manage sort of the limitations that I have around my health? But also that actually inspired Elmo in a nutshell, um, health being a primary focus, the food we eat also can be quite impactful. So um, anti-inflammatory diets, I started following a bit more of an anti-inflammatory diet, reducing meats, uh, reducing vegetable oils. And I was like, why is there vegetable oil in US almond milk? And why does it only have 2% content? And why is there sugar and flavorings? Almonds are delicious on their own. So can we not add more of it in and not add vegetable oil? So it was sort of out of my own frustration of you know, I just want a really great quality product. And um, most of the almond milks were coming from the US. And I'm like, we grow almonds in Australia. We eat a premium Australian almond milk. How hard could it be? And um, that process took a good 12 months to find manufacturing and um, off I went. Can I just say, I remember looking for an alternative for milk years ago. And I remember I, I looked like a weirdo right? <laughs> and then when I was looking at almond milk, it was exactly that. Because I am educated with nutrition, I was like, why is it sweetened? And what is this vegetable gum or vegetable oil in it? And I'm so glad that you brought this up. Like, holy cow, for me, this is like, I remember going through this. So for you, and this is just for me as a health alternative, not that I had an autoimmune disease. So what was the courage and what was the process and what was the journey for you to go from product to launch? Can you take us through that? So you're sitting in bed and you've got these ideas and you're researching going, why is it from here? Why is it from there? Talking to almond growers, farmers, <laughs> like how did you go from production? Because that's a learning in itself to then getting it on the shelves and being able to make profit from your business. Can you take us through that journey? Yeah, and it's almost, um, I would say, a logical formula. So you take the very basics of, okay, let's create a business plan. Is there an opportunity or is there a market for this? And that's sort of like understanding what's happening globally, what's happening with consumer trends, social trends, economics, the exchange rates, Australia and um, the US dollar, uh, looking at lactose intolerance, the rise of autoimmune diseases, celiac disease, you're like, okay, there's definitely probably an opportunity for this. So what does this product look like? Are there any premium almond milks on the market? And seeing that there was a gap there specifically, it's like, okay, great. What does this product need to look and feel like? So then we go through the basics of the four P's of marketing, be it um, price, promotion, you know, product itself, um, 
So really crafting that out and going, well, if I don't have marketing budget, how do we get this product to stand out? Well, it should be the packaging. Um, And what does the design look and feel like? And um, what does it communicate? So we wanted to keep it really simple because the ingredients were simple. We wanted to keep it very minimalist as well. So we identified all of that. Um, And then sort of came the next step of, okay, how do we actually create this product? Are we going to be making it out of a kitchen? What I realized was making fresh almond milk was not sustainable, both on wastage of almonds and also the shelf life of the product. So it would go off. I thought, well, I don't want to be in a kitchen 10 hours a day, seven days a week. That's definitely not going to work for me, both for health reasons and B, I just, I don't want to be that person stuck in a kitchen uh, for the next four or five years. And so I realized the only other option was to find a contract manufacturer and play a volume game, which starts to get into the world of FMCG. It's slightly riskier, harder to actually find manufacturers, a lot more capital that you require to put up front just to manufacture a minimum of 30 or 40,000 litres of almond milk from day one and have to sell it within three or four months. So um, actually being super ignorant, I had never worked in the FMCG industry before, but I'm like, look, it's just logic. We need a barcode. We need to get a beautiful brand name. How do we communicate what we want to say? Um, is the price point right? Do we build in margins for distributors? How's this product going to be sold across Australia? And so that's where I was like, well, we need distributors into cafes and health food stores. That's how we build up brands here in Australia as opposed to just walking into Coles and Woolworths. So over the course of two and a half years, we then went to um, distributors state by state in Victoria and New South Wales and partnered up with them to then distribute our product into health food stores and IGAs. And then organically growing just out of my own cash flow was like, well, I think we need to hire someone in operations or we need to start doing some small consumer shows. So be at the gluten-free expo across Australia or the um, vegan day. And so we grew organically, but we reached a point, I think this year especially, that we're like, well, I think we've hit a point where we're looking at expanding further. We're currently exporting into 14 countries um, and we're looking at taking the company to the next level. So, yeah, that's just pretty much that story from the get-go. What do you think the importance is of packaging for the actual brand? What have you actually learnt in that process? Have you changed your packaging? Have you changed the brand in it all? We have definitely evolved our packaging over the course of um, five years I feel like you probably get it 80% spot on when you launch and then you're constantly refining and tweaking, packaging, going, should we change the wording or content or what is it that consumers really value? So that is always evolving. But in the sense of the design itself and what the brand looks like, I think it's critical, especially if you are starting off early days without much marketing spend or backing behind you. Really, packaging sometimes can just grab consumer attention or people want to take photos of it because the packaging is beautiful. It looks and feels great. It's meaningful. Um, It's made in a way that they connect with. Um, And what we're seeing in marketing research is that actually Gen X, Gen Y um, and Gen Z are really valuing 
the beauty and the packaging sort of um, around products more so than marketing or um, some of the other components. What do you think has contributed to your growth over the years? Is it passion to continually help educate? Is it to help with the autoimmune? Obviously, you're so financially committed now as well. And now you've got that, you've got the model and you know that it's that product to market fit. But what do you think the importance is that gets you up every day and gets you like rolling up your sleeves and keeps that hunger going? What, what is that like for you? Well, to answer the first part of the question, I think there is only one reason why we are still around today and our competition hasn't killed us off in the market, and that's simply quality. Mm. Quality is so paramount with products. It doesn't matter how much marketing spend you put behind brands. If the product tastes terrible or it's full of additives, you'll get to a point where consumers might try it a few times on promotion, but go, I never want to drink or consume that product ever again. And so I believe that we are the closest tasting almond milk to dairy milk. It tastes natural. It tastes wholesome. It's not full of fillers or flavorings. And I think that's essentially why... Uh, we're still around and through word of mouth, perhaps we have been able to grow and scale. Um, I would absolutely say that our customers um, is actually essentially what keeps me going. It's that purpose that mm. once blue moon, I will get a email or a customer review saying this, this milk is life changing or it's helped. But um, yeah, internally, my, my drive is about creating and bettering food products. So I always see there's room for innovation in so many segments of the supermarket and knowing how we can better some of those products and how we can continue to create really nourishing plant-based products. We have ups and downs in businesses <laughs> all the time. Can you share with us a time that really stretched you but maybe has made you or the product better? Perhaps you'd never wish that problem again or that challenge again, though something that has helped you with your growth or helped you look at the business differently now? I definitely feel like there was a moment, and that was unfortunately the first few years where we began. Um, we had major manufacturing challenges here in Australia and overseas uh, with contract manufacturers we had um, generally um, collaborated with, where let's just say um, they ended up becoming our competitors and shutting us out of the market or undercutting us in ways that were just really devastating and in the ecosystem and the manufacturing industry um there's a lot coming to the surface at the moment um that are you know publicly right now major international almond milk companies are suing other brands and there's class actions happening but that was a time where i felt extremely disappointed in our sort of australian manufacturing industry and the lack of support to build and help small brands innovate to grow and become bigger companies. I think it was ruthless competition. It was highly unregulated, um, and there needed to be more government sort of um, support around um, backing smaller businesses and feeling like they um, their IP, their confidential information was protected. Um, I guess what that's taught me is the importance, A, of having 
really strong mentors and advisors to get you through very difficult and challenging moments such as those, as well as legal. We can, you know, start a small business, but understand that confidentiality agreements do not protect your confidentiality. And if you don't have millions of dollars to take on a class action or a lawsuit, um, there's very little you can do. So feeling disempowered is not a fun feeling. And again, I think it was a real challenge. And I sort of question, I'm like, is, did this happen because I'm a female? Does it, did it happen because I'm young? Did it happen because people thought I didn't have experience or I wasn't a multinational company? Mm. Um, and so it really made me evaluate and understand that I needed to A, build my own strength and resilience around things that happen like that. But it also allowed me to innovate and pivot the brand. So originally, Alma was only destined for the cafe industry. It was only meant to be a barista blend product. But what we realized was our competition um, wasn't ready to go down the path of retail. So we ended up pivoting the brand into retail space. So be it health food stores, IGAs, grocers, as opposed to the cafe market and just focusing on Australian cafes. So that was probably biggest sort of challenge, but also yeah. allowed us to pivot the brand, reshape the direction as well. And volume, right? Like Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. That's, um, I, I know when I've worked with entrepreneurs, one of their biggest fears is creating a product and then having that manufacturer take it or copy it. So that's mm. just um, hearing that firsthand. Whew. What weight to carry, and just in those first few years, like what a roller coaster ride for the startup process, like far out. Definitely wasn't fun. Um, it removed a lot of the passion and joy out of what I was doing. And unfortunately, we had to spend three years waiting for someone else to build a manufacturing facility before we could actually relaunch the brand mm-hmm. and pivot into a direction where we felt we trusted our manufacturers to grow yeah. and scale. So it was three precious years that we lost as a first mover advantage, really important for small business and startups. Um, But I guess that's made us stronger and it sort of allowed us to go on a different journey, but also a really exciting one, which is opening up a lot of opportunities um, and some really exciting um, investment opportunities coming out. Honestly, just so happy for you guys. Like, when you're just sharing that, I just, you know, I had this heaviness in my heart, but then to hear how it did enable that pivot and enable to go into retail and now enable to be able to get a big volume, more volume, I could imagine. That's just um, so happy, so happy for you. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, we learn from each other's trials and tribulations and it's just um, so great that you shared that. We've got obviously, you know, different types of female entrepreneurs that listen to the show. We've got women in the startup, women in the growth phase. Based on your own journey, your own lessons, um, what would be a piece of advice that you could give to that female in the startup phase? And then a piece of advice for a woman that's ready to up level and now get out there and, and go even bigger. <laughs> Wow, that's great. I would absolutely say surround yourself with inspiring individuals and mentors that you can really connect with and rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, the entrepreneurial journey can be quite lonesome, challenging at times. So it's really important that you have a great support network around you, but also advisors that can absolutely give you advice 
um, or even a community, be it an entrepreneur's organization or a startup community hub that can give you advice when you are really needing some clarity and direction as to what you need to change or how you should pivot your company. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. What about for the woman? She's in the growth phase. She's going for it. She's ready to up level again. Ooh. Um, I think, again, for me personally, it's surrounding yourself with a team of inspiring and also um, qualified individuals. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, if you're bootstrapped, um, you give more of your energy and efforts into um, educating and training your team. I think hire the best you absolutely can at any given moment. Focus on sales, but also focus on Um, maybe even maximizing grants. I think there's so many female founder grants available now by the Australian government. Um, So look at opportunities of other ways of funding as well before you jump into investment as well. Yeah, that's great. Definitely. We'll put some links there for for grants, guys. We'll get the team to research and see what's out there at the moment. Linda, it's been such a beautiful interview. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy and turning what was a health problem for you and bringing a beautiful product out into the world and having such a, an amazing quality product as well by the sounds of it. It's just, um, yeah, it's great. How can we continue to stay in contact? What can we do to, to learn more? Instagram is one great way of connecting with our brand to see what we're up to and, uh, and all the new products that are coming out or a bit more about our journey as well as elmomilk.com.au. Beautiful. We'll have all the links there, guys, for everything mentioned today. I'd love to finish with this question. What is the one thing that you do on a very regular basis that we know that times can get pretty hairy, pretty scary, pretty rough, stressful, frantic, So on those days or those weeks or months, what is it that you do, Linda, that makes you the happiest version of you? Something that you know when you do it, it just puts you back into that vibration of being that best version of yourself and feeling incredible again. That is definitely a pyjama dance party. (laughs) Solo. Uh, some music in my pajamas, be at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning, um, whilst making my morning coffee. It's sort of my centering ritual, but it's that uplifting dance music. And I'm sure even when I'm driving to work, um, people next to me are like, what is going on with this person? <laughs> but I find music really uplifting to move like stagnant energy or stress or anxiety or any tension. So for me, it's just a great way of just getting into that zone before I hit the office. Oh, love that. Something that lifts your vibration so high that you are the happiest person that you know. And that sounds like it is it. I love that. Thank you so much, Linda. It's so great to have you on the show and we can't wait to follow you more and also find out more about Alma. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annette, for your time. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.